0: This is our 10th lesson on eschatology. We call this end time economics. This is think is my probably most favorite lesson I have written so far on this because it combats a bunch of American stupidity, which unfortunately is in the church. And uh, what we're going to look at is what the Bible has to say about finances in the end of the age. No doubt we are living there at the end of the age and uh, it is certainly a roller coaster, but. Uh, I think all of us have the mindset and we have somehow been infected or affected by Hollywood and even bad Christian fiction that uh, before Jesus comes back, we're going to be living in bunkers or maybe at least a (laughs) tornado shelter. And uh, to me, even in my heart, even though I have written this, even though I have studied this, my heart still wants to say, hurry up, Jesus, come back before the generator runs out of diesel. (laughs) But that is not the picture we see. And we're going to see that over and over and over again this morning. And I think if we can understand that, it'll take fear completely out of us. I think we know for sure the end times will be turbulent. They'll be up and down. But God is still with us, even to the end of this age. And if he is with us to the end of this age, then all of his promises are still yes and amen. The promise to supply our needs, the promise to provide for our children, the promise to take care of us, the promise to, to, to heal us. And uh, if you didn't know, he is still the God of manna, so you can always have something to eat. He's still the God of the raven, so he can always bring you something. He's still the God of, of the ocean, so he can always fish you something. I think what happens is Americans forget that they're supposed to be Christian, and they totally stop trusting in the Bible, and they they head for sensationalism in media. So let's jump in here. We have a lot of scriptures to go through, and I, I did a lot of research for this lesson, and we'll see what we have to say here. Unfortunately, many Christians believe that the last days will be lived out in bomb shelters filled with sea rations. That's military food. This belief has taken root due in part to Hollywood, novels, fear, and cultish teachings. There's a reason that in America we have a, a sect of cults called doomsday cults. Yes. And it seems like every two years or so you'll hear about a whole cult somewhere in California drink, drinking some strychnine trying to jump on the tail of the comet. <laughs> the hell bop cult. And uh, they, they have biblical teachings in there, but they're not biblical. And they're called doomsday cults. Mormonism is the most prominent doomsday cult in our nation and probably in the world. Uh, This teaching is not biblical. The fact that the teaching that uh, before Jesus comes, we're all going to be living underground. It's all going to be underground churches. It's all going to be living off of sea rations and diesel. And I hope it rains so we can have some waters to give my baby a bath and all that junk. That's foolish. Absolutely absurd, as we're going to see from this lesson. Let us examine the scriptures to see what we can uh, expect financially in these last days. So our first uh, section is called the days of Noah. Let's look at what Jesus Christ, not, not uh, the media, not the talking head on television, not the last uh, movie that came out about the end times, not Hollywood's take on the end times. Uh, let's look at what Jesus Christ prophesied about the end times here in Matthew 24. Jesus said, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. That's talking about Jesus. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the son of man be. I want you to notice there that we know that the flood was a judgment that came and wiped out sin. But up until the day Noah went into the boat, it was business as usual. And he preached righteousness, the Bible tells us. He was a preacher of righteousness. And so as he's building a boat, he's also preaching the end's coming, the end's coming, the end's coming. And they didn't believe him much as we're preaching right now. The end is coming and folks don't believe us. And we're building this boat called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And those that are in this boat called the Church of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be safe until we're taken out of the way and we rise above the sin of the world. But until that day, the Bible said, according to Jesus, that in Noah's day, it was business as usual. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. So let's look at what that says. Jesus indicates in this passage four aspects of life that will not be interrupted in the last days. Consider that. In the last days, these four areas of life will not be interrupted. They are eating. The average American household spends $2,700 a year eating out. Or with about 114 million households in the U.S., $307 billion a year. That's what we spend eating. Jesus said, just like it was in the days of Noah, eating and drinking, that's what it's going to be like before I come. Eating. And technically, if you want to really split hairs as far as Bible prophecy, that's going to be what it's like during the tribulation. Because the Son of Man coming refers to the second advent, not the rapture. But we know there's only seven years difference. So even during the tribulation period in which the Antichrist is reigning, Jesus said they'll still be eating. It doesn't sound like in Noah's day they were living hand to mouth. It sounds like they were having a good old time, just business as usual. Even during the reign of the Antichrist, there will be an abundance of food and drink. We'll see that in some verses from the Revelation here. What about drinking? How much is that a part of our economy right now? As of 2008, the, American, the average American drank 412 Coca-Colas a year. Or America consumed over 123 billion Cokes. It's a lot of Cokes. I was doing some math on that in my head driving somewhere yesterday, and I thought, wish we could have transferred that money into missions. We're not against Coca-Colas. I'm a big Coca-Cola fan, but... Then you start to think about if I drank four hundred and twelve Coca-Cola's last year, that's about a buck fifty a Coke. That's over six hundred dollars. I'm glad I gave that much into missions, but I could have given more. Maybe. What about marrying? See, Jesus said these are all aspects of life that will continue up until the second coming. Marrying. As of 2012, the average American wedding cost about twenty seven thousand dollars. That includes everything from flowers to uh, the limousine rental, to a honeymoon, to the rings, wedding gown. The average American wedding, $27,000. This includes all that, all vital businesses that make up a healthy economy. So a a, a typical marriage requires limousines, spas, flowers, gifts, catering, makeup, dress rental, etc. And all of those are aspects of the economy. And Jesus said before he comes, people will still be marrying did you know that during World War II, people really didn't get married much in the in the trenches? And <laughs> when there's famine going on in East African nations, they don't really marry. They're too busy living hand to mouth. Honestly, you start facing starvation. Nobody thinks about sex. When your stomach is growling, you don't think about sex. You think about getting a loaf of bread. And if if we're all Americans here. We understand what in our heart and back in the back of our head, what we think it's going to be like before Jesus comes. And we we really think it's going to be doomsday. We've watched Terminator too many times. We've watched Armageddon too many times. We, we've watched whatever too many times. And we're expecting it to lose half of our family. The other half has rickets and lice. We're, it's, you know, the landscape is gray and, and nuked out. What, what do they call that, Mr. Window, after a nuclear fallout, the nuclear fallout, the... Uh, Uh, Went Nuclear winter, but also uh, scorched earth. I think we have a scorched earth mentality, blowing ash everywhere, and we're all wearing shades of gray. Jesus said, before I come back, eating, drinking, marrying, business as usual. Honestly, if it was that bad, I think a lot more folks would turn to Jesus. But the fact that Noah built a boat preaching righteousness, it took faith to believe him most folks were too blessed to have faith. So they just kept about their business. I think if it was really a a nuclear winter or a scorched earth scenario, we'd have a lot more folks turning to Jesus, but we're not going to see that. The Bible lets us know. What about giving in marriage? This is probably the most important out of all of these, because even in World War II, they were eating and drinking. Even in East Africa, they were eating a little bit and drinking a little bit during famines. But the giving in marriage is what tells us a lot Giving in marriage is what you do when you have a time of peace and you're celebrating. Even in a war situation, you could elope. Maybe a a, a sailor and a Navy nurse could fall in love on a battleship and have the Admiral marry them. But nobody's there to give them away. The whole fact that he said giving in marriage lets us know it's a peace-filled time where you can celebrate And dad can come and give his daughter away. And you have all the families there celebrating. Brides are given in marriage by their fathers as part of ceremony and celebration. Ceremony and celebration are not typically found in bomb shelters or militia bunkers. The fact that Jesus indicates fathers will still be giving their daughters away in marriage lets us know that people will feel a sense of safety and will be able to plan for big events like weddings. That's critical. I want us to have a hope and an expectation. If there's fear always in the back of our mind or our America media-saturated heart that this thing's only gonna get worse and worse for us, well, it, it'll lock us down. Fear has torment, First John tells us. But we're the church. We are victorious. We have God on our side, and not just on our side, in us. We're, I, I wanna jump ahead, but let me just keep building a case because there's so much awesome stuff in the Revelation about end-time economy. The picture painted by Jesus is not of Christians living in caves or fallout shelters. That doesn't happen until the Jews are persecuted. Starving to death, hoping Jesus comes back before their dehydrated food rations run out and the diesel generator runs dry. Come, Jesus. The lights are flickering. We're on our last can of diesel. You got to admit that's how we thought. That is stupid that we have the light of the earth in us and we're going to have to live in bunkers on diesel, where'd the diesel come from? (laughs) Refineries would have to still be running. Jesus painted a picture of continuing economy and society. Let's look at the days of Lot. This is the next passage in in the section. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Notice that with Lot, it was business as usual till the day they walked out of town. The funny thing about Lot and Ezekiel teaches us this, excuse me, about Sodom is that the sin of Sodom was not homosexuality and fornication. The Bible tells us clearly in Ezekiel that the sin of Sodom was pride and abundance of bread. It was a wealthy, wealthy region. We see that pattern in America and in industrialized nations. As long as a nation is poor, living hand to mouth, they cannot make up weird sin. Their mind is not relaxed enough to go weird. Weird. But when you're industrialized and you have enough bread and you have enough soda and you have enough entertainment, then your heart is set on evil continually and you can make up weird stuff like pedophilia and homosexuality. You can fornicate from bedroom to bedroom and and be a pervert. Uh, But when things are lean and starvation is in place, nobody's having sex. You don't care about it. You're hungry. The sin of Sodom was prosperity And an abundance of bread, which produced nationalistic pride. And then at the very bottom of that list in Ezekiel, it says, and then inequity and sin. Because of their prosperity, because of their uh, financial increase, then they were able to become weird and goofy. The night before uh, Lot leaves Sodom and Gomorrah, all the men are at the city wanting to have sex with the two angels. It was a prosperous time. They, they had money. They had they could be out of the house wandering the streets like a bunch of Mardi Gras drunkards. But we see that in America, too. So the night he leaves, the day he leaves is when all literal. Well, it was not hell. It came from heaven. Heavenly brimstone, heavenly fire came down. It didn't come from hell. It came from heaven. God wiped him off the map. Here, Jesus himself likens the conditions leading up to his return to the conditions in Lot's day. Notice what was going on every day, Lot, uh, when Lot was taken out of Sodom. Number one, eating. As of 2010, Americans were spending $478 billion a year on groceries. It's a lot of money on eating. Number two, drinking. America spends about $74 billion a year on sodas. That's just sodas, that's not fruit juice, that's not milk, that's not the water bill, that's Coca-Cola's. That's all all soft drinks. So eating and drinking, what about buying? I like this one. Americans spent $450 billion at retail stores in 2010 at Christmas time. $450 billion at Christmas time. That's buying. That's the sign of a healthy economy. In a scorched earth scenario, you don't buy. You barter. You say, I'll trade you two possums and a coon for some corn. I'll trade you a bucket of gunpowder for some water. I've got some rubber tires here. Uh, Can I have a, a cow? They're buying. Look at selling. If someone is buying, someone must be selling. In 2010, eBay the most popular internet self-auction site, saw $2 billion in sales on its mobile apps alone. Just trading from the palm of your hand. $2 billion. eBay, just eBay. Just on a mobile app. That's a lot of selling. And Jesus said, before I return, it will be buying, selling, eating, drinking. Planting. I like this one. This speaks of the agricultural industry. Duh. Uh, Though there will be famines, remember there have always been famines, but Sodom's sin was pride and fullness of bread. Bread means you're growing grain. I would also remind you that planting requires peace. You can't tend a garden in wartime, much less tend a garden for a whole city or have enough planting for a whole group of people. When war goes on, there is no time to plant. You have to dodge bullets and bunker uh, and, and bombs to harvest your tomatoes or your okra or whatever it is you're growing. Farming requires tremendous peace because you've got to plant, you've got to harvest, you've got to act, you've got to cultivate, you've got to water, you've got to spray for insects. But Jesus said, before I return, they'll be planting, too. That's the agricultural industry. It will still go on building. Building can only take place in a culture and an economy healthy enough to sustain population growth and thereby demand a need for more homes, retail, business, and industry. Did you know that during war you don't build anything new? Because it's just going to get blown up. Even America, (laughs) during World War II, our last great war, we haven't had a great war since World War II. Even in World War II, we stopped building and everything went towards the war effort. They stopped making new cars. Everybody was recycling tin. Even the American population was put on a uh, controlled substance and sea rations. And, and, and they were issued stamps and basically food stamps. Everything was rationed for the war effort. Sugar was rationed. Gas was rationed. Uh, my family even has some of the original C ration books where you had to pull the stamp out. You go to the grocery store and you were allotted by the government so much food because it was all going towards the war effort because we were fighting on two fronts. Every major manu- our automobile manufacturer shut down and made tanks and airplanes and everything went to the war effort. We built nothing but war machines. But Jesus said, before I come back, they'll still be building populations booming during war. Population goes down. <laughs> Nobody's having babies. Soldiers are dying to build. You have to have growth. You have to have economic growth. These are the signs that Jesus said before he comes back, it would be, we could see it. This is what we're seeing right now. We can guarantee, be guaranteed by the word of God this will continue until he comes back. And the, technically speaking, both of these passages refer to the second advent when he comes back to destroy his enemies. And if it happens, if all this happens through the tribulation, we can rest assured it's definitely going to see us through to the rapture and then the tribulation. All of these activities spoken of by Jesus are primary economic indicators. The implied emphasis here is on the fact that it was business as usual up until the moment that heaven rained down fire and brimstone upon Sodom. This is how Jesus said it would be before he returns, business as usual. This does not mean we will not have ups and downs. We had a Great Depression in the 30s. We had a recession in the 90s. We've just gone through a massive recession, but I kind of mocked in my heart and said there's no recession in 2008 2009 2010 this is not a dip when people stand in line for starbucks and stand in line for iphones you're not hurting financially when you're still going to go see a nine dollar movie at the theater in 3d you're not hurting financially you might complain that you are but you're really not until we're waiting in line at soup kitchens we don't have a depression we're not having financial problems yeah a lot of people lost money but they weren't doing anything with it anyway it was just the lust of wealth. And my 401k lost hundred grand. You weren't doing anything with it anyway. Look, you're just as chubby as you were before it lost. Look, you still, have, you still have the house you had before you lost. So we've got to be mindful that things are going to continue on business as usual. It'll be up and down like it always has been. But it's going to continue business as usual. No scorched earth, praise God. Let's look at commerce after our departure. This is all taken from the revelation. Without a doubt, the rapture of the church will cause pandemonium, both socially and financially. We can conjecture that this chaos will call for a leader to rise from the ashes and lead the people in a new world government. A government must have something to govern, and certainly there will be plenty still here. How can the Antichrist rule a scorched earth? I'm telling you, I don't know how we got to this mindset thinking, oh, one day it's all going to fall apart and we're going to run for the hills. And I hope I got enough shotgun shells and I hope I got enough bear traps and coon traps. And, and I hope my wife can keep up with me because she's just not in as good as shape as me. That's stupid. And it's fear. And we've not been given the spirit of fear. The church demonstrated in America how stupid it was back in 1999 with Y2K. And even ministers promoted that junk and people had Y2K closets. Stupid. You demonstrated you weren't led by the Holy Ghost and you didn't know the scriptures. Jesus Christ still teaches, take no thought for tomorrow. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. And yet 12 years ago, the whole body of Christ, it seems like, went fear mongering. Oh, and those of us that were led by the Holy Ghost or in good spirit filled circles, we just said, God's not speaking this to us. He's still dealing with me about my sin issues. He's dealing with me to be a tither. He's dealing with me to tell that person about Jesus. He's not speaking to me about building a Y2K closet and stockpiling batteries that only have a four year shelf life. And Lord, help me. I don't want to eat tuna fish out of a can the rest of my life. But that's, that the, whole, the whole church was carried that way 13 years ago. I was at Lowe's at the time working in Inside Lawn and Garden, and we heard heard all sorts of uh, rumors about the government's buying up generators. That's why you can't find generators anywhere. They know it's going to be bad, and and you can't get diesel. Diesel prices are going up. And I was just a broke college, just out of college making $6.75 an hour. I thought, well, God hasn't spoken to me about this. Can I sell you a weed eater, sir? Jesus has never told us to stockpile. That's Mormon doctrine. That is a primary tenet of the gospel of the Latter-day Saints. That's not our gospel. Paul would have called it another gospel. One of the primary tenets of Latter-day Saint gospel is stockpiling. And they even police it in their circles. If you're a member of a Latter-day Saint church, that's a Mormon cult then they require you to have one year of reserves. It it was first two years, then it was one year, then it was back to two years, then it was three months. I think it's back to one year now. And they even have stockpile police. You can research this if you want to. They will come to your house if you're a member of their church and they'll say, do you have 500 batteries? No. Well, the elders declared last month that they believe we need that. You better hurry up and get 500 batteries. Do you have enough potted meat? (laughs) I don't like potted meat. My family doesn't eat it. Well, that doesn't matter. The elders declared and issued an edict that you must have 200 pounds of potted meat. You better get to it. They police us. That's doomsday cultism. It proves that they don't follow our Jesus Christ because our Jesus Christ says, take no thought. For sufficient for today are the evils thereof. But my father knows you have need of all these things. Whatever happened to being Christians? Serving Jesus. It's fear. It's it's fear mongering. It's cultism. It's ignorance. And it's what the media is preaching to us right now. And we, we don't follow the prophets of the land. That's the media heads. We follow the prophets of the Lord Jesus Christ, primarily the scriptures. So Jesus has never taught us, nor did Paul ever teach us to stockpile. Now, we're not against if you want to can your preserves and and you want to can this year's okra. We're not talking about that. Come on. That's country living. That's praise God stuff. I like some good strawberry preserves. Give me a can when you make some. We're not talking about that. It's the motivation behind it. Is it fear mongering? Oh, Jesus needs my help taking care of me. He never told the prophet Elijah, well, you've done it now, boy. You prayed a famine. Better go stockpile because it's about to dry up. He told the prophet Elijah, go to the brook. I will provide for you there. I will command the ravens to provide for you. And then that dried up. Oh, Elijah, I guess my hands wax short. You better go stockpile. He said, nope, go down to Zarephath. I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Whatever happened to being Bible believers? And here we are, fear-mongering, oh, scorched earth, my bunker, hope I got enough A.C. in there. Hope I got enough water filters, hope there's even water in those days. Stupid, stupid, ignorant Christians. Amen. Commerce after our departure. A government, last sentence of our paragraph there, a government must have something to govern, and certainly there will be plenty still here. The Antichrist must have something to rule. If everything is obliterated and nuked away, uh, he has nothing to rule. He's left with five guys in a bunker. <laughs> that's not much of taking over the earth. That's, uh, that's you having a little cult in your bunker, which a lot of Christians are developing right now in their little circles. Doomsday cults, and they call themselves born again. Let's look at Babylonian commerce. This, this passage right here has done more for me in the last two weeks than anything I've read in quite a while. It appears commerce will continue worldwide until Babylon is destroyed. This is a literal city and will probably be modern Baghdad. Uh, A lot of uh, Bible prophecy experts believe that world commerce will go from New York City to Baghdad. A lot has to still change. Baghdad is Babylon. In fact, even Saddam Hussein was rebuilding ancient Babylon. He was putting a lot of money into it. This is a literal city and will probably be modern Baghdad. It will be the center of world commerce, according to the revelation. Let's look at this giant passage here. Standing afar off from the fear of her torment, saying this is the merchants and the people of the world. Saying, alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. Uh, Notice it will not fall until God destroys it. We keep thinking mankind can wipe mankind off the earth. Mankind can do nothing. Babylon and even those Antichrist will not be destroyed until the, de- the Lord says, I do so. And for in one hour is thy judgment come and the merchants of the earth. Wait, wait, wait. So we're into the, we're We're almost through the tribulation and there's still merchants. During the Civil War, there weren't many merchants. During the Depression, there weren't many merchants, but here we've got merchants, the merchants of the earth. It sounds like a lot. "...the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore." So there's still buying going on, not bartering, buying. These, uh, the merchandise of, watch this, let's count it. "...the merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple, silk, scarlet, thionwood, wood, all manner of vessels of ivory... All mantle vessel, vessels of most precious wood, of brass, iron, marble, and cinnamon, odors, ointments, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, beasts, sheep, horses, chariots, slaves, and souls of men. 28. Does that sound like a scorched earth bartering system? Trading possum meat for a... <laughs> head of lettuce. (laughs) The thing that strikes me the most is that there's still a slave trade. That's prosperity when you can deal in the lives of men. During World War II, there are no slaves but POWs. This is the economy right before Jesus Christ comes back. And it sounds very, very wealthy. So wealthy, the people of the earth are caught up with prosperity. They don't weep for the lives destroyed in Babylon. They weep because their profits will go to nothing. There's a callousness and a coldness. Right now, we're all about anti-slave trade and we should be. But apparently in these days, they don't care anymore. They're buying and selling people and souls of men. Right now, we still have a bit of a political conscience, and even our socioeconomic policies are anti-slave this and anti-slave that. According to John's revelation, there will be an active slave trade during the reign of the Antichrist. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee and all things which were dainty and goodly. Dainty means succulent, means expensive. Filet mignon is dainty meat. Caviar is dainty. Uh, That's a King James word for highfalutin. It ain't beef jerky (laughs) or potted meat or government cheese. That ain't dainty, according to King James. All the things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. This, This promise right here does not happen till we're gone. The merchants of these things, which were made rich by her. So even during the tribulation, people will be made rich. Shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. They are not weeping and wailing because of the lost lives in God's wrath against this city, but because of their lost revenue. That's the love of many waxing cold. Anything you could want will be available to purchase during the tribulation. These verses reveal a very healthy economy, and this is what I broke these 28 things down to. The mining industry, textiles, agriculture, beauty products, food, transportation. Did you notice he talked about chariots in there? Livestock, and even the slave industries will be in strong operation. Verse 14 declares that goodly and dainty things will be available as opposed to rationed and freeze dried. Business will be good enough to make the merchants wealthy. We're building the case that the economy will continue on until we're gone. Praise God for it. Hallelujah. Even when God's last set of people were a bunch of slaves under Pharaoh's command, he still took care of them. Sea commerce is still active during the tribulation. The revelation indicates business as usual at sea. The second angel sounds his trumpet and a great burning mountain is cast into the sea, turning a third part of it to blood, killing a third part of the sea life, and the third part of the ships were destroyed. So apparently, a third of the ocean is just oceans, there's seven of them, is destroyed, and with it, a third of the sea vessels. That's a lot of sea vessels. When the mighty city of Babylon is destroyed, it will bankrupt many people, including the merchant ships. I want you to keep in mind, this has to be noteworthy. Otherwise, why would it be mentioned? These are things that the Lord specifically showed John in the Revelation. Why even mention it? He doesn't talk about zoos being shut down. It's not worth mentioning. He doesn't talk about uh, internet commerce tanking or, or, or the housing market plumbing because it it's, not, it's not mentionable, but these things are being mentioned for, for a reason. God is specific. Jesus Christ even said the jots and the tittles were worthy. So he's mentioning these things for a reason. Look at Revelation 18. For in one hour, so great riches is come to naught. So the world's economy will, will come to naught when God decides it comes to naught. And it will not come to naught until Revelation 18. So great riches shall come to naught in one hour. One hour. One hour because God says now it's time to come to naught. Until then, it does not come to naught. It just keeps going. And every shipmaster and all the company in ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off. That's in the Revelation if you never noticed that. And cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships. That city alone makes the merchant sailors rich. Does anybody think about a merchant vessel being a moneymaker? Does anybody think about a sea captain being rich or the sailors? No, we we think pennies on the dollar, scurvy, uh, being at sea nine months out of the year. You don't equate wealth to somebody driving a boat. But according to the revelation, these guys will be rich because of sea trade. Just pointing out what the revelation says. Wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness. for in one hour she is made desolate. Merchant vessels will still be operating and making a profit. This speaks of imports and exports during the rise of the Antichrist. This stuff will continue. In a scorched earth scenario, we kind of picture uh, boats are parked. And nobody's going crisscrossing the nation because they have nothing to sell because the car factories are burned out. Because the toy companies are burned out. Because the chocolate from Sweden and Switzerland and Germany, they're burned out and we can't import them. That's not what the, the Bible says. How about the mark of the beast? Anybody know what that's all about? Commerce. Nearly everyone is familiar with the expression, the mark of the beast. This mark is tied directly to commerce. Revelation 13, and he, the beast, causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, bunkered and (laughs) unbunkered. No, there's no mention of anybody living in caves until Jesus shows up and people start freaking out. The only other person that runs for their lives are the Jews when the Antichrist betrays them. Notice that in, in the Antichrist day, there will be small and great. That's economies. That's, that's, that's social classes. In a scorched earth scenario, everybody's equal. Everybody's poor, living hand to mouth, eating acorns and having pine needle soup. But even during the Antichrist, the beasts reign. There is small and great. There is rich and there is poor. Rich and poor shows you there's an economy. Free and bond, that means slave trade. He causes them to receive a mark in their head, excuse me, their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark. It doesn't say barter or trade, buy or sell. Save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. There are still six classifications of society during the reign of the Antichrist. Small, great, rich, poor, free, and bond. Still a wide, diverse society. The mark of the beast will be necessary to be a part of the Babylonian economy. Right now, we're watching our government try to turn socialistic on its way to communistic so that everybody will be equal. My Bible tells me it'll never happen because even during the reign of the Antichrist, there'll be classifications of people. I would say we don't have to worry about it too much. If my Bible says it, as much as these heathen governments want to try it, even during the Antichrist, there'll still be six classifications of people. Though communism tries to make everybody equal. It's failed, it always fails, it will always fail. Socialism is a fraud and a failure. The mark of the beast will be necessary to be part of the Babylonian economy. Now here's some final section here on some other commerce observations. We've moved through this rather quickly because there's a lot of it, but uh, I think we're doing a good job with our time management. Look at some other commerce observations. People will have houses full of stuff. Jesus said in Luke 17 that they will be commanded to not come in from the field nor come down from the roof to save their stuff. He didn't say, go into that hovel in the ground. He didn't say, run to your bunker. He didn't say, run into a hole. He said, hey, when you see this thing happening, the Antichrist, do not come down from the roof. Do not come in from the field, head for the mountains. That was spoken to the Jews about heading into the wilderness southeast of Israel, beyond the Jordan. Two shall be lying in a bed. This speaks of safety and comfort and provision. You have beds. You don't have hammocks or pallets in a bunker. You have a bed in a home one will be taken, the other shall be left. Two will be grinding at the mill. This speaks of commerce and employment. There will be mills. There will be something to grind. Without agriculture, there's nothing to run the mill. And the second he comes back, one will be taken, the other shall be left. Not only will there be mills, there'll be something to grind and there'll be people to grind it. Two will be working in a field. This speaks of commerce and safety. Agriculture work requires peace. You don't harvest crops in time of war with the threat of being shot in your John Deere tractor. I don't see John Deere putting bulletproof glass on the cab of their mega harvester. One will be taken from the field, the other will be left. When the two witnesses are slain in Revelation 11, the people of the world will see it. How will the world see it? Probably television, Internet. So you mean we still have a telecommunications infrastructure? Oh, yeah. CNN will be there. Fox News will be there. Whatever else shows up will be there. The world will see the two witnesses which did torment them slain. They will rejoice and they'll send gifts to each other. From this we see the international communications will still be up and running and people will have the excess income to buy gifts and then send them to each other like Christmas. If you have international telecommunications, you have to have the workers maintaining it. So you still have an industry and you still have paychecks and you still have companies. Babylon will have in it, according to Revelation 18, harpers, musicians, pipers, trumpeters, craftsmen, merchants, and food production, millstones. The arts are only developed and enjoyed in peacetime. Did you have a symphony during World War II? I think the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra was disbanded when the bombs started dropping. <laughs> but the is very clear that in Babylon, they'll have all these musicians. This will not cease until God destroys Babylon. The kings of the earth with their armies will gather themselves together against the Lord Jesus. You can't build an army without wealth and commerce and intense infrastructure. You must have factories and workers and supply chains feeding the war machine. The revelation tells us there will be a billion man army rise up out of the east to confront Antichrist. A thousand million man army. How do you outfit all of them? Are we talking about some hillbilly militia like the Confederate army? (laughs) state of the art coming out of China we're not going to nuke each other off the map before Jesus comes he won't let it happen as Christians we have Bible commands and promises to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all the things that the Gentiles seek after will be added unto us And the Lord shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God has always been and will always be our provider. Fear not. Furthermore, hoarding violates the epistle of James. James 2, 15 and 16 says, If a brother or sister be naked in the bunker across the street and daily destitute of food because they didn't buy into Mormon doctrine like you did, Christian... And one of you say unto them, depart in peace. Go back to your fallout shelter. Be you warmed and filled in your Y too dumb bunker. Notwithstanding, you give them not these things which are needful to the body. What doth it profit? You're a hypocrite. You have the supplies in your bunker. Your neighbor across the street does not. You will have to sin against Christ to sit on your hoard that you stockpiled for your four and no more. If I had a bunker and I was the pastor and all this went down like the fear mongers and the Mormons are claiming it's going to, the Mormons are claiming like it's going to, not the King James Bible, not the NAS Bible, not the New Testament Bible, but the Mormons claim it's going to, and I had a bunker and I didn't take care of you, my church members, I would be in gross sin against my God and Savior. So I just resolve that by not having a bunker. And not having a stockpile. That way I don't have to be stingy. I'm coming to your bunker. (laughs) Furthermore, what bunker? Yeah. (laughs) I can't afford a bunker. (laughs) Furthermore, like we quoted Jesus. You know, Jesus, our Savior, not Joseph Smith, the prince of Mormonism that so many folks buy into. (laughs) Jesus said, take no thought. Jesus said, fear not. Jesus said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Jesus said, don't go back into the house for anything. Jesus said, I'll take care of you. Jesus said, I'm the El Shaddai. I am the more than enough. Jesus said, I can feed you with birds. I can feed you with manna. If I can part a Red Sea, I can make food come to you should you need it. Even the psalmist said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor beg bread out of a fallout shelter. This is fear-mongering, and it shows a lack of mature faith in Jesus. It also shows a lack of biblical understanding, the fact that so many of br- our brothers and sisters in Christ are going this route. It actually smacks of that spirit of militia. Jesus Christ never called us to take up arms against our nation. I'm not against overthrowing a traitor or a dictator, but our job is go ye. This gospel shall be preached into the ends of the earth, then the end shall come. How are we financing the gospel for stockpiling bunkers? Jesus said, go ye, not stockpile ye. Our last command was go ye and be witnesses. It was not, hey, it's going to get really bad, so make sure you got automatic weapons, camo. <laughs> make sure you got plenty of and water filters, purifiers, reverse osmosis, desalination plants, because it's going to get bad. I told one person, I said, if it's going to get as bad as you think it is, and you take one shot against our armies invading us, they're going to put their M1 Abrams tank on your house and wipe you out. It's not going to get that way. The Antichrist must have something left to run. And according to everything we just saw in the Revelation, it's going to be a lot. And it's going to be bustling. It's going to be, if you, try, if you believe the words of Jesus, not Joseph... Jesus. It's going to be business as usual to the day we're gone. So relax, not to say it won't be up and down, not to say Zimbabwe's economy will not become insolvent like Greece's is becoming. But he will always take care of us. We were in Zimbabwe right after they just disbanded the currency and it was a billion to one exchange rate. And yet they were still fed. They still had automobiles. They still had internet. It was just a little touch and go for a season. We were there about six months after they disbanded the Zim dollar and they're running on the U.S. dollar. And you'd have thought it was a prosperous nation. We we bought Coca-Cola's. We bought fruit. We went to the grocery store. We went to the mall. And just six, eight months earlier, it took four billion dollars to buy some groceries if you could find it. They said we'd load up the trunk full of bags of cash just to go buy some bread because of hyperinflation. But, you know, we have friends there. They were taken care of. The Lord never forsook his church down there. And just within a few months, the church praying, it it released itself and they're on the American dollar and things are cool. We're foolish to believe Mormon doctrine. Are you a Mormon or are you a Christian? Then you ought to believe like a Christian. We are not a doomsday cult, but a lot of Christians are buying into that. So let me conclude there. Uh, Father, bless us. Father, thank you for giving us the spirit of hope, peace, joy. Not the spirit of fear. We've been given the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And we will not act out of fear, but we will continue to do your last commandment, which was go ye into all the world. Lord, you must protect us. You must provide for us. And we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate you coming out. I really enjoyed that.